investing there are two investing maxims that you would have heard pretty often cash is king and buy low sell high but thanks to an extraordinary amount of economic stimulus or what we call money printing there is a very real possibility of inflation shooting up and seriously reducing the value of your cash holdings as a result proactive investors are desperate to put their money into any kind of appreciating asset including those kinds of alternate or fringe asset classes uh, which don't have any fixed standards of value like uh, crypto nfts startups etc in these markets the old maxims might not work as well as they used to the rules of today are different in fact cash is trash and buy high sell higher so what should we regular folk do hi my name is amit and i've spent the past 20 years saving and investing my way to financial independence in this podcast i share everything i've learned on my financial journey so like me you too can build wealth stop chasing a paycheck and start chasing your dreams instead and today we also have with us neha agarwal who is co-hosting the show with me hi neha you want to introduce yourself hi amit thanks a lot for having me i have been a trader of foreign exchange and interest rate products with various multinational banks for the last 15 years and like you i have invested and saved my way to financial independence and i'm hoping that with this podcast i can impart some of the learnings that i have had over the last decade and a half thanks for having me here thanks a lot neha and it's it's really nice to have you with us today Before we start a quick reminder for everyone that most of our episodes come with free tools templates or other resources that you can use on your own financial journey these are linked in the episode description so once you're done listening feel free to log in make a copy and start using it for yourself and for today we have a pdf with 11 trading mantras essentially reminders that professional traders often use to keep themselves honest Neha herself apparently used to keep a copy taped to her monitor. We also have a template of a trader's journal that you can use to keep an objective record of your own trades. So you have a very clear view of what you did and how it worked out. And trust me, if you're investing in the kinds of things we're talking about today, you'll need both of these resources. And before I forget, may I request you to please take a moment to subscribe to our show. We really care deeply about financial education for everyone and your subscription will get the algorithm gods to promote money talk to a wider audience. And okay, so with that let me hand over to Neha to kick us off for today. So what got me interested in this was I recently read that someone bought a pair of shoes that were worn by Kanye West the singer during his 2008 Super Bowl performance for a 1 million dollar sum and other thing that I read was that the first ever tweet was sold as an NFT or a non-fungible token for a whopping 2.9 million dollars Clearly there is a lot of money being thrown at a lot of these exotic assets and the market for them seems to be just taking off. And let's not forget uh, Bitcoin and Ether and Dogecoin and all of those thousands of cryptocurrencies which already took off in fact and in fact some of them are already even crash landing. So Neha who are all the people buying all of this and why are they buying it? 
there is a big overarching theme why people are doing all this and that's inflation and money printing so let's talk about that Yuval Noah Harari in his book Sapiens talks about how societies have been sold stories and the success of any story is how many people subscribe to it money and religion are by far the biggest stories to have been sold where a concept started by a few becomes the backbone of the functioning of society why is it that when you look at a piece of paper you ascribe a value to it If one were to actually try and call on the bearer of that note, what do you think the central bank will do? What are they supposed to give you in exchange for that piece of paper which says ten dollars? What if the entire population of an economy decided to call good on this IOU? Traditionally, central banks or paper currency issuing authorities were supposed to back every unit with a hard asset, most typically gold. So that should I go and want to exchange my piece of paper I'll get an equivalent amount of hard asset. But in today's era of indiscriminate printing that concept has been left far behind. And why? Because what initially started as an equation has become a story, a legend, a belief. That money or paper currency has value. You don't need to test it, you just know it. That is how anything becomes popular when there is an on, almost universal acceptance of its value of its ideology. You just know that the money that you hold in your hand is more than the piece of paper that is printed on. Now, traditionally there has been a constraint to money printing. It had to be backed by a physical asset. And that meant that there was a finite supply of money. But in the last 12 years or so with the politicization of economics and the complete abhorrence to seeing any kind of correction in financial markets the shackles have been removed from the central banks globally they've been given a carte blanche for saving the values of your retirement funds or 401k's as mario draghi the european central bank chief in 2012 said during the summer olympics The ECB is ready to do whatever it takes to preserve the value of euro and believe me it'll be enough. And as a trader trading those markets at that time I can tell you it was more than enough. Central banks are like the referees or also the players. You better play the game by their rules else you're not really in the game. Now as central banks have gone on a money printing spree to prop up global economy the chart of global money supply looks like a steep second wave of covid and only the ascending part mind you us which is the biggest source and printer of money in the world grew its money supply by 10 times from 1960 to 2000 but it took only about 12 years starting from the financial crisis of 2008 to now for the money supply to grow another 10 times that has sparked off a valid doubt in the value of money currency or fiat currency as we call it Ideally increasing money supply should have consequences like inflation but due to demographical and technological changes inflation has been kept at bay so far but this has led to another kind of inflation which is the hunt for assets those who have money and clearly the world has experienced heightened inequality but those who have money have poured ported in financial and physical assets this has been the longest rally in stock markets commodity cycle has been running like a juggernaut 
and US housing market or any real estate market globally for that matter has been moving up at a scorching rate. The only two serious hiccups came in 2015 when the central bank or Fed decided to take its foot off the gas on the money printing car and in 2020 when the pandemic and ensuing lockdowns created production and demand. So the normal status has become that asset prices can only go up. And that has sort of become the holy truth now. It doesn't matter where you get in, but missing the train is not an option. And as the supply of money increases, you do want to get in because you want to protect yourself against a fall in its value, aka inflation, by investing in assets which have more finite supply. Wow, that's uh, that is really food for thought. Is that why property prices are going up? because property is a finite asset right and i suppose there's only so much land available on earth that's true but actually the universe has expanded far beyond that yeah i do recall learning something like that in physics the universe is always expanding <laughs> oh i meant universe of assets ah okay well stocks are also going up yes that's true not just that there's even more Hmm. More. Okay, I do know of people who buy and hold fine wine. Some people collect art or watches or maybe jewelry. I guess those might hold their value as well. Uh, and antiques. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, these are all good, but it goes still beyond that. Yeah. By the way, I once bought an antique. Really? Like what? A watch or some jewelry? A tile. What? <laughs> a 400 year old tile i bought it in spain at this really nice antique shop so you bought a tile and you expect to see it appreciate yeah why not it was really old did you at least get a certificate certificate no but the guy showed me a photo in a museum catalog pretty authentic oh that's cool so you bought a tile that was originally in a museum no no just a tile that looked kind of like the one i bought but i think it had a different pattern So let me get this right. You went to an antique shop where you bought of all things a tile just because it looks like the one that might possibly on display in a museum. Yep, yep. Cool, right? Where did you get this gem? Well, it was this really nice, I think it was an antique shop, but it was also a cafe. They had really nice coffee. Oh, well done, Amit. How much did you buy it for? 400 euros. Congratulations. Hold on to it for dear life. If inflation ever explodes and we're all scavenging for food that that tile is going to make you king. Good job indeed. Thanks thanks. I thought so too. On an unrelated note, I hope you've disclaimers telling your audience not to follow everything you say. Yeah, of course. Why do you ask? Oh, no reason just wondering. I don't want people to repeat your tile incident. Anyway, back to the topic. You're right about art and wine and watches and also about antiques. if they're genuine but in today's world there is a new age equivalent of everything like everyone says bitcoin is the new gold art has become digital art or nfts and stock market is now being supplemented by more accessible series a funding and angel investing but all those things have one thing in common unlike with stocks and bonds where you have ways to value the investment and hence try to arrive at some concept of valuation whether it looks cheap or expensive there is no objective measure of value for these exotic assets 
one person's valued antique is another person's valued tile so here the rules are different since you can't truly judge what is a low or a cheap price the best you can do is buy now and hope to sell it to someone else higher in other words buy high and sell higher and thereby protect your wealth from financial inflation but isn't that illogical it goes against most basic investing principles well i've been a trader and one of my mantras was i'm not here to be proved right i'm here to make money as an economic grad i ideally should apply macroeconomic theory to data accounting logic to valuation and then trade but if the market wants to go in a direction opposite to that dictated by fundamentals it's not for me to question the intellectual logic of it but for me to trade the trend of the market personally i've never been into brands i remember a senior person in my bank once asked me why i do not own an hermes hermes bag i said i don't see its value for money a purse costing a fraction of the price will serve me just as well thank you very much and his response that's your problem if you always go by value for money you'll never grow your capital i know warren buffett doesn't ascribe to that but then this guy also knew his you buy a short supplied hermes bag for $3000 use it for 6 months and then you can sell it as an exclusive special edition piece to so many young people whose life aim it is to be able to own just one branded purse and that has been the whole lesson in a nutshell i don't have to believe in something myself so long as there is a critical mass of people who want it whatever be their reason but that also doesn't mean i can just pick up any hermes bag and expect a higher resale value i have to do my research on which one is a limited edition which one has a waiting list what is expected to be the fashion in 6 months or 1 year and invest in something which is an intersection of the two i can't just randomly go and pick up any bag so it's the same for stock picking and angel investing also i know you do something like that but again for me it seems illogical to put money into something with so much risk in the hope of making returns so far out in the future is that the case well yeah you're kind of right investing in startups is quite a gamble and as you know it's pretty common data that shows that over 90% of startups fail and only maybe 1% turn out to be massive successes and unicorns and stuff like that that's a pretty poor ratio for example i'm sure if you invested like that in the public stock market you'd be wiped out in no time and on top of that even for successful startups the money is tied up for years so as far as i know people do these deals for one of or some of four reasons one is to back good founders and therefore perhaps do some good for society if you have money and you want to deploy it this is not a bad way which is to help out the person who's trying to build something new a second reason could be to learn about new ideas so by being an investor you actually get first hand knowledge about new markets new ideas things like that and sometimes that may be worth the entry fee third possible reason and this could well be a strong reason for many people is it's just an ego trip i have money you need money i'm here to give it to you and uh, you know i'm such a benevolent person and finally of course this is something all angel investors hope for which is the hope for outsized returns 
And as you can see, only one of these four reasons has anything to do with money. And for good deals, which is startups that are hot or in demand for some reason, you don't really even have the time or the opportunity or often even the inclination to do much due diligence. If this startup is great and everybody says so, you just put in the cash with the expectation that in a few months or years or maybe weeks, another investor will come in betting a higher amount at a higher valuation and then again after a few more months or a few couple of years again there'll be another person who comes in with an even higher amount and even higher valuation and so i expect that by getting into a hot startup i can eventually get out at a higher price than i paid just by selling to the last guy in other words like you've been saying all this while again it's a case of buy high sell higher so that brings me to this asset class which is the hottest one of all right now cryptocurrencies remember the dot com boom of 2000 2001 when you just had to have some dot in your company name and see it go up in valuation that's what the crypto boom seems to be now it's no denying that the crypto market looks frothy it's already seen a 10x move in 6 months followed by a crash of 50% This kind of roller coaster is not for the faint-hearted. Well, what is crypto? I bet 99% of the population involved in Bitcoin has no idea what it is. The usual things uh, bandied around are it's an alternative to cash. Well, we will see about that. And it has limited supply. Wrong. Bitcoin may have, but crypto by itself doesn't. But if you really ask what a bitcoin or an any e-coin is, most don't know. Actually even the smartest of hedge fund managers don't know what it is. They'll know all the mathematics behind complex option formula but they don't know what this is. But they still want a piece of this action purely because it's a case of fear of missing out or FOMO. Ray Dalio the Consider one of the smartest hedge fund managers in the world says that he doesn't believe governments will even accept Bitcoin, but he's still investing in it because anything is better than cash. It's a confusing yet accurate logic. We live in a story built by the government and central banks. It's difficult to live outside that construct. Some, like WikiLeaks, which were pushed outside this, have managed to survive and thrive off the grid. but for most it's inconvenient to say the least yet we've come to despise their policies and have little faith in the money backed by them we're sitting as characters in their story but looking across the fence to see if someone can create an alternative reality so we can jump ship till then it's ii government and central bank for a long time gold was considered the default mode of exchange when money printing started as we discuss banks backed it with gold but collapse of the bretton woods system in 1971 meant that constraint went but gold was still considered the alternative to money whenever inflation expectations rose so did the value of gold and in the last 15 years gold like almost any other asset has tracked closely with the growth of money supply but it's a physical asset it's bulky it's difficult to shift from one wall to the other and generally cumbersome to manage in today's digital age it looks like a dinosaur and hence the era of crypto as a money alternative they are digital can be transferred to any account in the globe instantly 
and do not have Uncle Sam's stamp on it. The fact that they also exist outside the hegemony of the corrupt banking system is even better. Hence, one can appreciate the appeal of crypto and why it is something which has refused to die off in its decade-long life despite multiple attempts from governments to kill it. And so we have the world divided into three kinds. Those who totally believe in it and have been backing it throughout. Those who don't understand it but think that it's better to be involved than to sit out. And those who don't understand nor believe in it and have chosen to ignore it. Which one are you? Well, I personally don't believe in crypto. I have studied the blockchain white paper or tried studying it and it went a few feet above my head. But I do know that Bitcoin was not meant to be a currency. It was a reward given to an authenticator of a blockchain node and therefore can only exist in the ecosystem of that blockchain. This reward is now being taken out of this ecosystem and used as a means of barter for its limited supply. And for the fact that because of the concept of blockchain, it is an anonymous system of authentication. And unlike for normal money, one doesn't have to believe the ledgers of the banks. The fact that it exists outside the system has both been its charm and its deterrent. It's difficult to be a character in a story which has no rules of engagement and no one to arbitrate in the event of a dispute. We may despise the government rules and mistrust central bank policies, but that fact is that without those, we'll have anarchy. When someone steals your crypto wallet, who's supposed to go and investigate or catch the thief? That remains its biggest issue. Last few years have been spent by various interest parties to define the construct, but doesn't that in a way take away its biggest USB? It is still a jungle law in the world of crypto. If Elon Musk was moving the price of any stock with his tweets the way he has been doing with Bitcoin, he'd be behind bars. And rightly so. Trading on privileged or insider information has been a punishable offense in the world of financial assets for decades. Also, despite there being enough critical mass in terms of involvement, where even big banks are being forced to get involved, governments are still not only turning their noses away, but are actively trying to crush them. While Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, has gone from denouncing crypto, saying that it's a joke, to accepting it as something the bank would and should trade, Chinese government very recently banned Bitcoin mining altogether. And that makes sense. Why should any government support anything which undermines its authority and over which it has no control? Also, the idea it has a limited supply is flawed. The supply of a particular crypto is limited, but not the supply of crypto by itself. The mind already reels with all the ethers and the doges. But does that mean it should be avoided? As I already mentioned, Ray Dalio hit the nail on its head by highlighting that despite all its faults, it's something he's investing in. There has been a subtle but sizable shift with corporate treasuries directing more and more money in crypto. Already about 5% of corporate treasury money sits in crypto. Governments have realized that they can't ignore crypto altogether. So they're trying to kill crypto the way that they can't control and instead introduce their own version of crypto. China, for example, is looking to introduce its own e-coin by next year and has already floated a digital yuan. And that brings me to another exotic asset class, which is NFTs. 
and i think amit you're the kind of person who would be interested in them right <laughs> yeah you know me so well i must admit i've browsed nft sites and done a fair amount of reading on the topic unlike a lot of others i actually think nfts have the potential to do a lot of good but i also think it's pretty early in the game and the market needs to develop a lot more at least it needs to become like the fine art market for most people to be doing much more than browsing so let's talk about what good nfts might do so for all of history creative work so for example art sculpture writing dance music etc needed the artist or performer to sell you a tangible product artists and sculptors could sell you their works of art whereas performers would sell you tickets to their performance or a recorded copy of their work that is fine but what about those struggling artists who sold their work just to make ends meet and then they might have died in poverty only for their work to start receiving their due recognition afterwards the buyer reaped the profit but the creator got nothing and then there's performance art or art installations you get something for the performance or the one time showing of the installation and that's it it's not like you can make money off it forever and finally there is nowadays digital art electronic music etc these generally don't have a physical form and digital is basically free for anyone to access so how do these artists charge for their work they're definitely not making money from the fractions of a cent they get streaming on spotify or youtube so nfts allow artists to monetize digital forms of their work by creating an artificial scarcity around it and that's what i think makes it a good thing for the creators however it's early days of the market and there's a sort of frenzy going on that i think is unhealthy and potentially also fraudulent like with many of the crypto things that you talked about in fact that's why i say it's a good thing overall just not good for the average investor right now or at least for sure the investor has to know that they are operating in possibly the most extreme form of the kind of market you're talking about where you buy high and sell higher what do you think so there is a particular concept which defines the psychology of the market very well and i've seen it for the last 15 years it's called greed and fear and it goes as follows be fearful when everyone is greedy and be greedy when everyone is scared when everyone around you including your old neighborhood auntie and the doorman and your cab driver starts talking about an asset and how it's only gone up that's the time to cash your chips and never bet your house on something which is this volatile and this misunderstood a lot of these assets are a case of self fulfilling prophecies first a handful of people float a concept then slowly the belief in it grows till eventually the naysayers also have to accept it as it becomes a dominant belief and that's when it becomes a universal truth that's the life cycle of money maybe the person buying kanye west shoes looks like a fool today or some very rich person with money to burn but if tomorrow for whatever reason your bank says it can accept those shoes as collateral for a loan then even you will probably go around hunting for some good shoes to buy Bitcoins are somewhere in the early stages of that life cycle. So I'm not here to say that this is right or wrong. The idea is to make money, not to harp on the intellectual righteousness of something. And if that is the case, any opportunity to make money missed is your foolishness. Do your due diligence, bet money commensurate with the volatility of the asset, and try and read signs for greed and fear. 
the idea is not to buy low and sell high we can't pin a valuation to these assets it is to buy high and sell even higher just don't be the one holding the baby when the music stops wow that's actually pretty deep i think in summary what we've been talking about today is essentially three things right so number one inflation fears are forcing people to seek returns in an ever expanding universe of assets many of which have no real history to bet on the second thing i think you're saying is that all these non traditional assets have no way to determine value for money hence they don't and cannot actually fall into the buy low sell high category because you don't know what's the definition of low or high for these assets therefore the third point is that to succeed in these markets you need to be aware that you can only pretty much buy high and sell higher so your effort needs to be towards making sure you're not the last one standing when the market drops because when it does it could free fall down to even zero because there's no objective value and so this is not a place for the faint hearted and it's definitely not a place for those with only a little bit of investable surplus this is a place for those with deep reserves and the ability to take a hit and keep on standing would you say that this is a fair summary that is right so just start small and there are a lot of ways to get involved in these assets with a small capital but just don't bet your house on it yeah i think i really agree with you on this as well all right neha so thanks a lot for uh, the conversation today really enjoyed talking with you although i kind of get the feeling you're not too thrilled with my great antique purchase but i think we should talk more about that offline so really appreciate you joining us today thanks a lot amit for having me here and uh, if i renovate my house maybe i'll ask you for that tile see you thanks a lot thank you once again that was neha agarwal and before we go just a quick reminder once again please subscribe to the show and also tell your friends so we can spread the word far and wide you'll find the resources that we talked about linked in the episode description or please look for them directly on crazytalk.online goodbye for now this was amit with money talk see you next time